This episode of Hubble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our state-of-the-art Hubble and Fred studio featuring flooding from our well-equipped Brampton facility with Christmas lights on the floor and from Lisa's dining room table in Peterborough next to a Christmas tree and is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, evnet.ca, Palma Pasta, Bodog, and Kelsey's. And now here are two men who sing the 12 days of Christmas and always lose their focus around the milking maids and dancing ladies part. It's the leaping lords of podcasting, Humble and Fred. Excellent job, Dan Duran. How about that, everybody? We actually started the show without a discussion about live streaming. This might be the first time we've actually started the show with the Dan Duran theme. Or with the show theme and Dan Duran in, in quite some time. It felt very professional. Yeah. I know, because really at our age, we should be talking about urine streaming, actually. <laughs> should we not? <laughs> yeah, let's get right to it. Let's get right to, you know what, let's not, let's not take any more time and get right to body functions. Although I did uncover this thing about aging in Canada. And what we have to look forward to. Yeah, talk to me. Oh man! Well, it's you know it's it's been a hu- it's been this huge train coming down the tracks for years. They knew forty years ago that this baby boomer thing was going to be a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And so here they we did are. something about it, right? They did nothing about it. <laughs> no, and it's just by by twenty forty three, one in four Canadians will be sixty five or older. Just do not have. The infrastructure to support this. I'm sorry, say that again. How many in what? One in four Canadians by 2043. Oh, 2043. Yes, will be 65 years. But again, that's a slow ramp up, like a rapid. I shouldn't say a a slow ramp up. That's a rapid ramp up. Just in 20 years, you're going to be faced with one in four people being over 65, which means CPP and health care. And just simply not prepared for it. How old will you, you know, be, Dan? In 2043, Dan will be like a. That'll be you'll be like a hundred. <laughs> and uh, Fred will be uh, 87. I won't be here by 2043, so you guys will be on your own. No, of course, not. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not making it. No, 2043. There's a chance I make it, but that would be the same age my dad left. Yeah, you'll be fine, Howie. How about this? This year, right now, seniors make up 20% of the population in Canada. That's more than the population under 15. Now, these are the scary numbers, right? Because the projections are all done off this. Mm. So 20% of the population over 65, which is more than the population which is under 15. Now, in 1971, okay, only 8% of the population was over 65. 30% was under 15. So you see the trends in the flip here. Oh, my God. And why, and why there's such concern. I'm, for, first of all, if I may respond. For the infrastructure. Well, it's a lot of concern, but I, I think if I, I didn't realize we were, <laughs> we were going to have a presentation on the aging population of Canada. I, I think, first of all, bravo, great work. Um, you know what would have made it better, though, is some whiteboarding. 
Is there any way to do it? Yes. <laughs> like, because you've thrown around a lot of statistics, and I think for Dan and I and the audience, it would be great to have this up on a chart somewhere so that we could yes. fully digest it. I'd like no, a I PowerPoint. Agree. That's what I'm... That's a, great. a power... Bars. But, you know, but you can whiteboard on uh, on uh, Zoom meetings somewhere. There's got to be a way for... Oh, uh, right. Okay. It says right here. Uh, under, I could. Under the I apps, could. it says whiteboards. Uh, but anyway, uh, the point being... People are getting older, and we're not ready for it. Right. Did you know that there's 13,500 people in this country over 100? Okay. But here, here's the shocking stat attached to that. There's 13,000 people over 100? 13,500 people in Canada over 100. Wow. But here's the scary part. That's a 43% increase since 2018. Just five years ago. <clears throat> Again, another trend that is shocking. A lot of you, people, you know, a lot of old people. You can make all the jokes you want. Well, I'm going to, as soon as you've done your presentation. You know, and once again, you know, we did grow up in a great era. Just when this becomes a real big problem, we won't have to worry about it. <laughs> this is why I pointed out it. No, 20, I know. 2043, I'll be done. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been saving something for you, too. And this is a perfect uh, opportunity to get into it. On the heels of that fine presentation on aging population in Canada, the federal government has announced dental program. They, they, they're expected to announce a timeline for phasing in. This is going to tie in. You'll see it in a second. For phasing in its dental program. They started this week with applications for qualifying seniors over 87 Beginning as early as this week, once fully rolled out, the program will provide dental benefits to to Canadians with no... Eventually, this will be for everyone. Let me just come back in a second. So, eventually, this is going to be dental programs for everyone who don't have private insurance in Canada and or a household income below 90000 per year. Okay. So, our universal health care is going to start to extend to dental... Fairly soon. But the thing that caught my eye was, um, and, and I didn't realize this, we were going to be discussing aging population, but I thought, well, what senior over 87 doesn't need? Very few seniors over 87 wouldn't need some dental and or probably don't have private insurance. Yeah, because after your working life's done, then you're, you're you know, you're, you don't have uh, the access to, you know. The Chambers plan or something like that. Exactly. Working, right? And and incomes, you know, their uh, household income at 87 would be, you know, struggling to get to 90 grand a year. What are your thoughts about the fact that our government or our system is about to include our teeth? Which I've always thought was weird that it didn't, to be honest with you. Well, yeah, I don't. Here's the thing. it's It can be a progressive move. Because, you know, with dental care, you know, it's why I go every four months. Because when you go every four months, you stay up on top of big problems. And a lot of people, hey, if you got kids and you don't have a dental plan, you simply can't afford to do it. So when you don't go, the problems mount. And when you finally do go, you're looking at big bills. Prevention is the key. Even with health care, we've said this so often, you know, they, they should put more money into prevention as opposed to uh, whatever, the, you know, fixing. Um, and, I, and I think it, it's progressive because if you get into a dental plan for young families and you make sure your kid goes to the dentist every six months, well, 
you know, you won't be facing huge problems all the time. So I, I think it's I think it's progressive is what I think it is. I'm, well, however, not, however I, hold on a second. I get what you're saying about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I go to the dentist every three or four months, too. But right. That that has no bearing on this story, does it? Well, why? Well, because this you is said about, eventually all families. What do you? No, think no, of? I'm you not said, all families. Just people who don't have private insurance. Yeah, I think that's great for what I just said. Because if you can start keep taking your kids to the dentist, because the government is then by the time it, they're 87, they won't need it. Well, yeah, or along the way, they won't need it as much. Right. You know, if you don't take your kid to the dentist for five or six years, which a lot of families are in that situation, believe me. Then when you finally do or have to, there's yeah, the, five the cavities or yeah, yeah for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought it was an interesting story, if I may say, interesting because I've always thought that universal health care should have included your mouth. For some reason, it includes your mouth, but not your teeth. Dan, what were you going to say? Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say it's a great idea. I don't object to it at all. But I think that that uh, prescription drugs should be be the priority before you get to the dental part. If you're going to you know fix something in the system, because in our system, the, if you're not covered for drugs, there are drugs that are super expensive mm-hmm. that people will avoid. Because they're in a marginalized situation of some sort, and they can't get in, get access to it, and it and it affects their ability to become unmarginalized. If you get my drift, I do. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, the problem um, is that this whole thing is jumping on the train too late. These are the type of things that needed to, as you say, Howard, it should have always been there. But when all of a sudden you decide you're going to do it now, oh. You know, it's a lot more expensive, obviously, than if you it had always been in place. Hey, Fred, man, um, just a quick uh, note. You're getting, I got a little bit of a phasey, not a freezy, but a phasey kind of vibe from you there in a couple seconds. Like, is your um, internet full on right now and everything? Yeah. It's okay. Me. Yeah. I didn't notice anything. Yeah, I got one. I got a couple of Fred faces. Yeah, Dan makes a good point, I think, about prescription drugs because they are more expensive. Like, you know, I had to get my uh, heart medication uh, refilled before I went to Mexico. And I don't know what the cost was a couple of dollars because, uh, you know, we have insurance, the chamber plan. I don't know. I guess my question would be, I, I don't really know because I've always had insurance either through Actra or through this uh, small business plan that we're on. I don't know what that would be, Dan. How What that small prescription I had, uh, 45 pills for 90 days because I take them in halves. What I wonder what that would have been. Well, probably you're paying 10%. Either seven, like they, the plan pays seventy or ninety percent usually in that zone there, depending on your plan. Because I think I'm, so I, it might have been super- five or six bucks, so it would have been fifty dollars if I had to pay for it. Right. Hmm. Some of my family members had prescriptions that were like seven hundred bucks a month. So that would, you know, without you know some sort of plan, that's a heavy amount to pay. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, if you're not, to, you know, if, if rent's a consideration at that level, right? So. Yeah, those when I used to pick up my mum's stuff, um, heart medications, those those sort of widely used ones, they're actually not that expensive. Like, you know, no, I know what you not, mean. Not it's the, it's the, a yeah, month. Yeah. It's the rare ones that are <clears throat> that tend to be in in this country. Um, can that happen? Somebody needs a seven hundred dollar a month prescription, and because they don't have the money, they don't get it. 
I'm sure is it does. No, is there no safety net? Is there no mechanism to get that person that medicine? Well, I'm back to Dan's point. Like, it, you know, or it's kind of a, a combo point, really, because I've, again, I've always been curious about the fact that, you know, you can get universal health care for anything going on in your mouth, some kind of cancer, uh, something, uh, any, anything that doesn't do, has nothing to do with your teeth. <clears throat> and then, comma, as well as prescription medication for things that are very expensive and I, I don't know what those medications are but yeah there'd be a lot of like I don't know like my buddy just went through chemo and radiation for throat cancer for seven weeks what, what would that cost I mean it's 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 paid for universally that's medication life-saving need needed medication mm-hmm. like what does that cost if you didn't if you had to pay for it you make yeah, some good tens combo points there yeah thank you yeah, I like tens. to combo a point What's that, Frenzy? Yeah. Ten, tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah. But you know what the attitude was with uh, dental care traditionally in Canada as, as far as being part of universal health care is that your mouth, you you can be in control of your mouth, you know, looking after your teeth, brushing your teeth, having good oral health, which you're in control of, Um can avoid problems and i think that was sort of the attitude where internal stuff you can't well and, if we I guess, can, and i guess they just hoped society would look after their teeth better that's all and that was kind of your point if we can make another mm-hmm. combo point which is if you're responsible for taking care of your teeth back to what you were saying about you know going to the dentist if, you know if you if you couldn't afford to go to the dentist every three or four months, then those problems pile up. So now we have this government program coming for people who can't afford to do that. Um, but why is it that we're given the responsibility to maintain our our dental health to a degree, but not the rest yeah. of us? <clears throat> no, good point. But uh, you know, I would say it's almost to the point where you can't afford not to go to the dentist every four or five months and this is why dan has always wanted to put the fat people on an island because (laughs) like you know that's your isn't that your idea dan to save the medical system from fat people that's totally it yeah (laughs) it's a sector off a a special province that's right you reach the threshold fat province out yeah yeah that's exactly the uh (sighs) hey i i have a case in point here case in point for former, hum- former humble and fred producer phil hong hadn't been to the dentist in no oh, yeah Jesus. like 12 13 whatever it was and then we get the chambers plan he becomes part of it we had to coax him you almost had to force him to go to the dentist and it was huge several visits like i i mean he had five or six visits just to clean them before they could work on them and that's that was an indication and I, why what excuse would he have to not go to the dentist i you know his mother worked at uh, the uh big car plant. yeah magna magna i'm sure they had a dental plan oh, yeah. which he was part of through his life through his teen years he just chose not to go and I'll tell you, he could knock a buzzard off a shit wagon if you. That's right, the old buzzard off a shit wagon. You know what? His mouth smelled like the the other day when I opened that freezer with all the dead meat in. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it smelled yeah. like. Um, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 80% of Canadians, since we're doing stats to start the show. Oh, I love stats. By the way, everyone, welcome to the show. And uh, Jeff Merrick's our guest today. Only 80% of Canadians have a family doctor. Compare, which, which is low. I, for, I was surprised by that. And compared to um, over 95% of citizens in nine other OECD countries. I'm not sure what that is. What, are, what does that stand for? What is it again? OECD. Countries that have CDs. <laughs> you know, I, I love when you and I, I... Well, somebody Google it. Because I, I love when you and I... Can get to Google get Google to dead the organization end. for economic corporation. Thank you all. very much, Dan. I just love it when we come to a, like <laughs> like a gap in our knowledge, and then it just grinds to a halt. Mm-hmm. So, eighty percent of Canadians have a family doctor, and you know this is a problem in the United States as well with doctors. Uh, Darren and I last week golfing in. Uh, Vero Beach, we pair up with a couple of American guys. I told you about that, I believe, on Monday's show. And one of the guys was going back home to Ohio to go to the doctor. Um, And he made that point. I said, do you live down here all the time? He said, yeah, I'd like to. He says, but I have a problem. I can't get a doctor. And I obviously, I think there is... He had some issues. He was smoking one cigarette after another, which, you know, often leads to issues. Uh, Mm -hmm. But... He was going home, I think, this week because he had to go to the doctor. Can't get one in Florida. Well, so it's also is, hard hard to get doctors in places yeah. like in Peterborough. It's a oh, difficult absolutely. Thing to get one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a shortage of the. That number is because. That number is because of a shortage of doctors. Um, our system. And again, I don't have all the facts. That's so going to. I'm going to cobble together. Usually you do, though. Well, I usually do. Mm -hmm. But what I understand is the onboarding of foreign doctors needs to be sped up here. That is a fact. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Like people that come from India and other countries that are qualified, that would be South Africa is another one, that would be able to be onboarded into our system. The entry or their barriers are too strict. Well, they almost have to go through the entire thing all over again. Exactly. And and, and no one wants to do that. But guys, what if, you know, you need a doctor, you end up getting one of those doctors, and it turns out to be a witch doctor. (laughs) Then what do you do? No, I I so... (laughs) Then what do you do? See, I was going to go a completely different way. I was going to go, so if you need a doctor, (laughs) just, just, Dan, what you do is just call an Uber. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just call an Uber, and chances are... That another guy can help you. Point. Another great it's combo another combo point. point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's, so there's no combo point <clears throat> option on the whiteboard, though, I've noticed. No, I know. Uh, by the yeah. way, Freddie, when you said uh, the guy was going back to Ohio, this is the first thing I thought of. Which um, is, a, is a great song by the Pretenders that was ruined because it became the theme for that idiot Rush Limbaugh. Oh, right. Yeah. But I always like this song. Well, that was an interesting start to the show. We did 20 minutes on uh, healthcare. You're not getting that everywhere. Here's a weird thing that happened uh, at the beginning of uh, my day, Dan and Fred. But my city was 
I'm sitting here in the studio getting ready for the show. And there's a fly in the studio, like a, not a mosquito, a full-on, fairly good-sized fly, just kind of buzzing around my monitors and uh, over near the the garbage over here. And I was, what's he doing here, Dan? Like, oh, you've got dead meat. No, no but I'm. It's just it. it's December. The meat's gone, by the way. And and whatever I said this yesterday, whatever industrial strength solvent they use to get the, the smell is completely gone for the most part but that fly it's december 13th is he just looking around like where's my buddies where's everybody? <laughs> it's like is everybody gone i could and here's the thing it's going so slow i easily could have killed it but for some reason i didn't i don't know i just felt Slowed like hey in the winter yeah. yeah i thought you know what you've made it this far buddy i'm gonna let you go on your own got a friend of a fly a fly buddy friend. now yeah, yeah. Well, a couple of weeks ago i uh when i was sitting right here in this chair there was a wasp at the window and that had to be late november just have to wonder yeah what, you what allows this to happen well that was i thought fly. i know you being the two of you being friends of nature i thought you would find that somewhat fascinating that and, and honestly several times dan it landed on my computer screen just sitting there kind of easily ended his little fly life but i thought you know what dude you made it this far you just go and go off into a corner and just at some point like all of us just stop buzzing that's what's <laughs> going to happen um hey how you mentioned uh rush limbaugh the world became a better place the day he died. It definitely did. Um, <laughs> that's what. I took, that's what. Actually, it's funny because that's fr- literally ripped from his eulogy. <laughs> yeah. <sure. laughs> anyway, I won't get into the finer points here, but I took the time to uh, look at that. Uh, you know, Joe Rogan unloads on Canada. Uh, just. Oh yeah. I mean, what an imbecile. Yeah, I should know? have had the audio for you. I, I saw it. I should have taken it. Oh man. That guy can eat shit. He's talking about Trudeau. That place needs a 100% overhaul of government. They're sliding down that dangerous road of communism. (laughs) Scares the shit out of me, says Joe Rogan. He's a Trudeau's a dictator. What he did during the trucker uh, protest was ridiculous. Now, this is a guy that has come out. So he's afraid of a dictatorship and communism. And this is a guy that has come out now and said that he will vote for Donald Trump over Joe Biden. Yeah. It's it's shocking, and you know my feelings, our feelings, whoever on Trudeau, the feelings. not not my favorite guy, but this is just so over the top bullshit. And what bothers me about it, he sits there, you know, he's got that huge audience. He says this stuff, and all the goobers that listen to him, they believe it, and it's just so off base. It's just so wrong. It's so not the Canada he's describing. And and, and listen, yeah. your our feelings about Trudeau, and I mean, other yeah. than Dan, who has got a. You know, Dan's got Trudeau posters in his room. Mm-hmm. And I got to be honest with you. I don't hate him to any degree at all. And I don't think that if you look at it overall, a snapshot of the last eight years, you know, it, it would be not the worst prime. I mean, not the worst prime minister we ever had. And he, he you know, no. he got through a pandemic 
He had he faced something that nobody else has ever faced in our lifetime. <laughs> but when I saw that stuff, and I should have got the audio because I knew when I brought it up yesterday, I knew you'd find it fascinating. <laughs> when he when people around the right wing stupid sphere. Yes. Around the stupid sphere, when they start talking about our country being run by a dictator, and, and as you say, hundreds of millions of nitwits are going to hear that and go, yeah, Joe. Like, how fucking stupid are you? Oh, and then when he talks about the country devolving into communism, what right. those, again, in the stupid sphere, any, back to this big discussion we began the show with, any discussion in America of a social safety net they think is communism. No, I know. And yet they have a social safety net. They have fire. They have emergency. They've got police. They've got road infrastructure. They have government intervention into the schools. Mm -hmm. They're just so fucking dumb. It's hard to believe. What they did with the truckers, for example, said Rogan, the way Trudeau just openly labeled them as racist and misogynist. (laughs) And then when people were donating to the trucker movement, they were trying to have this uh, protest closed down. They were trying to get at people's bank accounts who had donated to the truckers. I mean, that's third world country shit. The fact they think they can do that in Canada is insane. What he doesn't mention through this is that it worked. (laughs) Yeah. Those actions actually worked. This, uh, you know, this encampment of a city, our our, our uh, capital city, which again was, you know, taken over by rednecks, and they were. I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves. We saw the profile of those people. Those actions got them to hell out of Ottawa and let the people get back to back to their uh, normal lives. So, he, but he doesn't mention that that it worked. And had that happened in Washington D.C., yeah, <laughs> the same exact thing around the you know the Congress or the White House that wouldn't. Uh, that no, would they would have been last. big advocates for coming down strong. You mm-hmm. know, get the people in here, get them out of here. Yeah, I agree. Dan, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the Department of Justice indicted Hunter Biden this last week on nine counts of tax crimes. Adding more drama to his dad's uh, Joe, his dad Joe's reelection. Uh, Hunter allegedly failed to pay at least one point four million in taxes, spending it on drugs, escorts, and exotic cars. A couple of thoughts. First of all, <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't. I mean, it's. I mean, yes, taxes need to be paid, but in that case, drugs, hookers. And Ferraris sound like fun. The reason I brought it up, and I've saved this story for a couple days, they've got a guy, an ex-president, who's been indicted on 91 counts. He's got a civil... That's uh, federally. He's got a civil suit where he's been found guilty of defrauding uh, New York State of $250 million. This other guy cited a riot, speaking of Washington is one of the most vile human beings on the planet, but the Republican Party thinks Hunter Biden is the key to the kingdom for some reason. And you know what? The weird thing is, it works for them. It does. Yeah, but on some level, it backfires on them because the Democrats can now say, and almost have to a person, well, if there's a... You know, if crimes have been committed here, let it go through the system. That's what the system's for. Let's see where it goes. You know, and so from that standpoint, it um, 
it sort of plays into their hands. What I laughed about last week, though, that and I forget who the guy is, they want Hunter Biden to testify before a congressional committee or panel, a closed congressional panel. And uh, Biden's lawyer, Hunter Biden's lawyer, come out and said, yeah, we'll do that. But we want it public. We want it. We want the whole world to see this. And that, and and the Republicans are freaking out now because they don't want it to be public. And why is that? Because they want to just get in behind closed door, ask these questions and then spin it differently on the outside. Mm hmm. Yeah, the last thing there, they, there's, no, there's a nothing burger there. There's nothing really. There's to a do. nothing burger. Absolutely. A nothing what? So they, a nothing burger. Okay. Is that I something you guys means. eat a lot? I don't know. You guys got. You seem to get very excited about that. I'm like, did he say nothing burger? What the fuck He's are they talking about? Okay. What does that mean? A, a nothing burger. Oh, I've heard that term before. I don't use it, but I'm surprised Dan Duran came up with it. But uh, okay, it's a nothing burger. Can, yeah. can it, by well, the way, can a nothing burger also be like, um, mm-hmm. like uh, a fake burger? It can be like a not real meat. It could be like a nothing nothing burger. Could yes. it be okay? Yes. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, it can have I'm condiments, sorry. but I, you can't I, have any. Meat I didn't in mean it. to bog this down with uh, that detail. So it's a, you know, but it's just so painfully obvious. Again, they want to get him behind closed doors. They want to ask him all these questions. They want to walk out of the, you know, the meeting room and then spin it their own Republican way. The last thing they want is it to be open, because when they ask these questions that really aren't going to lead anywhere, like the guy already said, yeah, I owe these taxes. I think he's paid them. And, you know, all wrong, like shouldn't do it bad. If he should go to jail, fine. <laughs> but... Uh, he really threw them for a loop last week and they're still trying to squirm out of that one well that's why i brought it up for other reasons which is of all the things that the other guy is is being indicted for and has done Mm -hmm. listen man like where is it again like like taxes i mean hookers drugs and exotic cars that's fucking trump before breakfast (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Like, they think that's the problem with America? Well, it's the typical, you know, political diversion. I saw that Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, Wisconsin the other day. Ten of the fake electors in Wisconsin have admitted what they did was wrong. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they've uh, uh, pled guilty. So I saw him asked about it. And they said, what do you think about that now that these fake uh electors have come forward and all he said was well democrats have been doing that for decades no i know i saw that he would not directly answer the question what do you think about these people in your state so it's just diversion right they just it's it's tedious yeah when they they so for just for some context it's happened one time in 1960 in some kind of a there was something going on in hawaii where there was a fake elector somehow uh some kind of fuckery was going on mm-hmm. and this guy for this this other thing that you brought up ron johnson like the people admitted they did something wrong but he can't and he brings up this thing in 1960 in a while you're like really you have to go back 63 years to find this yeah and and you're right it's the classic what about ism yeah um so that would not be a nothing burger. That would be a something burger. Mm-hmm. Do you have fries with that, Dan? Potato fries. Sweet potato fries. Dan, can you have a... <laughs> is there any other foods that can be... Not, can you have a nothing pasta? 
No, I don't think that exists. Just a nothing burger. Yeah, hey, just a nothing uh, burger. Speaking yeah. of burgers, the other night in the Orlando airport, we went into an Outback Steakhouse, and it was like, eh, okay, why not? I had the burger. It was excellent. Plus, they allow you, rather than have fries at no additional cost, have the baked potato fully dressed. Mm. I walked out of there with a full belly, but I got to tell you, it wasn't bad. The only thing that put me off a bit was the bloomin' onion. Delicious while you eat it. Yeah. But all that, all that breaded, oily breaded stuff, it's like a drill bit in your gut, right? But generally... Oh, you mean onion rings with uh, deep fried onion rings? You're talking that? That's your time? You know the blooming onion. onion. I know what you mean. And they put all this breaded shit on it and they deep fry it. It's very tasty with the dip. Have you ever had that, Daniel? What, a whole onion deep well, fried? Well, at, at Outback, it's, called it's the, the Bloomin' onion. onion, Dan. Oh, Let's, I thought he was just expressing his... Uh, he's like, yeah, I had a Bloomin' Onion. <laughs> he was being... <laughs> a Bloomin' Onion. By the way, it, it's not an adjective. It's a thing at Outback Steakhouse. It's a name, yes. Oh, it's the Bloomin' Onion. It's like a... They, they, it's a thing. It's breaded and it comes in. It's huge. Mm. Oh, it doesn't sound... So good you've had me. a nothing burger, but not a Bloomin' Onion. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That blooming onion, I thought, if I eat this, if I keep eating this thing, I'm going to have an incident on the plane halfway Well, home, that's the I'm first thing I to, thought. I'm going to have to go into the bathroom, but I didn't. <laughs> You're going to have a blooming shit yourself. As soon as you said, that's right, they're going to have to emergency landing. <laughs> somebody's <about> diversion. <laughs> because something's died in the uh, passenger, uh, in the, uh, the, 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 what's the, the place, in the, where the kids, where the people are, in the um, fuselage. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, hey, one, uh, one other point I've got, Ted, I was going to mention this yesterday. We're, we're in the Orlando airport. We go in uh, to the um, Outback, Outback Steakhouse. And then we notice that there's nothing but plastic knives and forks. And Darren says, why so many plastic? And I said, oh, that's for the takeaway, because there was a takeaway booth. But as we go to sit down, the waitress grabs all these plastic knives and forks. And I said, do we have to use plastic knives and forks? She says, oh, yes. Uh, yes, sir. It's the, the airport. We can't allow real knives. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, well, I could tell you a few stories. And then she sat us down. And I thought, it's not like that at Toronto. But this Orlando airport, they do not allow cutlery in the uh, restaurants near the terminals. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, That's wow. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, they've got to they, they keep track of security there in America. <laughs> you yeah. know what the funny thing is? <laughs> a guy orders an Outback steak. He's trying to cut it with a plastic fork. <laughs> you couldn't help but notice, right? It's like, Jesus Christ. That is yeah. insane. It is. Tis. <laughs> wow. You know, can if, I talk about that? Is hey, can I? On- Go ahead. No, I was going to say, can I talk more about the uh, $80 sushi I had the other day? Because I want to get one yeah. more bit out of it so I can write it sure. off, please. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> well, in that airport, they uh, I don't know. I didn't notice uh, whether they allowed cutlery because everything was chopsticks. <laughs> but the, the spoon for the wonton soup was plastic. So maybe, maybe it's an airport mm-hmm. thing. Because think about it. Once you've passed security, there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing stopping you from, you know, packing a few you know, real right. knives into your carry-on and mm-hmm. just start stabbing. Yeah. I'll bet you an airport. I'll bet you it's an airport thing. Well, sure. That one specific? No. Yeah, because it's he, not like, well, yeah, but it's not like that in Toronto. How do you know that? Have you had a well, meal because, before a, a flight in Toronto? 
Yeah, I did this trip. What is we got there? <laughs> what is it? What, what, you don't know the prices of food at airports? I'm surprised you open your well, cheeks for these things. It's funny you say that because I found it somewhat reasonable. No, we went when we left on the November 30th. You know, our flight kept being delayed. Remember, I told you about that. So we just ended up going early, and we thought, oh, we'll go there and have lunch. And I had lunch, and I had a nice salad and stuff, and it was normal cutlery in Toronto. Okay. And it was it was after security. Hmm. 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 And what do you have to say about that? It's an overreaction, obviously. Well, yeah. So I mean, you know, if, if you're, you know, if you're in an airport, I mean, there's so many other things you can use. Uh, you know, uh, some sort of blunt metal thing that you could, you know, pull off of some part of the airport to take in the plane if you're actually that <laughs> into hijacking What are you, what are you, what are you pulling something? off? Like the uh, the, uh, to- the uh, towel dispenser, the paper towel dispenser in the yeah, bathroom? He's just pulling it off the wall? You're going to start bludgeoning that. people with it? <laughs> Not to mention the blunt object that's attached. Hey, now. <laughs> I know. Um... God, I was just going to tell you something. Now I can't fucking remember it. The sushi story. No, I'm thinking the sushi story. It's something else. Why? You no, said you had, well, I, you had another I, bit. I've, I've mentioned. No, I don't have any other. I've just mentioned it again because I'm going to write it off because it was a part okay. of the show. Oh, we're shopping it. I see. Okay. Uh, no, no, we were talking about uh, airports. Uh, if we're going for lunch, to uh, do Dan Duran. It'll come to me at some point, maybe after the show. Christmas. Uh, Christmas. Um, okay, well, uh, Dan, we've got uh, the retirement Sherpa on the program today, so we're going to try and fit, you know, we're going to have Merrick's coming up in a bit. Trying to fit it all in. Fit it all in, to... and uh, and then you're going to do the news, which is fantastic. Yeah. All right, it'll come to me. So let's listen, let's take our break now. Okay. It's really right. and and because when you come back it's all people get excited again. Mm-hmm. Um actually, you know what, before you go, Keith Wyland, who has uh, been a big fan of ours, hear from him all the time, lots of emails, always has great musical suggestions. Send us a note. Now it's on email day, that's tomorrow, but I thought this was uh, somewhat timely. He says, "Do you guys remember this interview you did?" with uh, Denise Donlan when she's told the story of uh, of Dan's hog being her spirit animal. What? Yeah. Huh. And I did not remember the story. So again, Dan, this is from 2016, an interview with uh, music impresario, whatever you want to call her, she's a head of much music and... Murray McLaughlin's wife, all this stuff. I mean, she's written books. She's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But apparently, I did not remember, like a lot of things on the show, that she had, your hog was her spirit animal. And (laughs) here's the interview from um, 2016. He's, he's kind of a bit of a cranky pants. Um, and Joni Mitchell, who, you know, there's a, a story in the book about we're sitting in our backyard and uh, I'm stealing a cigarette. Um, and this snake goes by. It's like <laughs> the, this huge, like three foot long, massive snake, yellow with diamonds on it. And I'm looking at it and she said, oh, did you see that? that oh, that's my spirit guide. Oh, and I'd never seen a snake like that in my backyard. And I can't find it in any reptile book I've ever looked in. Oh, there you go. So you're—I I made a mistake. <laughs> Apparently, your hog is Joni Mitchell's spirit okay. guide. <laughs> so thank you, Keith, for that uh, 
Thank you very much. That and Dan we know Duran. it's dance because it's yellow with diamonds. Exactly. <laughs> Every listen, all of us have seen it. It's quite fascinating. Well, Dan, um, okay. we went almost four, we went almost forty minutes today without wow. any of that nonsense, and now look at that. Yeah, here we are again. Maybe in January okay. we can do an entire show. Okay, see you post shirt. All right, man. Well, or, you know, just come on back after. We'll see if we can fit you in there, you know. Oh, there's a lull. Okay, if there's a lull. <laughs> okay. All right, there's Dan Duran. He'll be back with the news. In the meantime, let's talk about these people. Uh, whether you're a sports bet or a horse racing fan, a poker, casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbooks, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and racebook. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Uh, looking ahead tomorrow night, again, another Thursday night dog. It's the Chargers and Raiders. I think the Chargers have maybe an outside shot at a wild card. I'm not sure. I'm going to be honest with you. Anyway, Raiders at home favored minus three. Those numbers from Bodog, people. Oh, that's uh, really well done. Thank you. Oh, thank you Today's last day for uh, you to get an invitation to our Christmas party. Humble and Fred at Humble and Fred Radio. Dot com. I, I'm sorry. The gift of Humble and Fred uh, broadcast uh, legendary 35 years of Christmas parties. It's uh, a week from today at Kelsey's Dundas Street, Burlington, 4511 Dundas Street. Here's what I'm going to do. At some point when we close this off tomorrow morning after the show or whatever, I'll send out an email to the people that have entered. It's just If you still want to enter, you can just put Kelsey's in the subject line. But just know this. At this point, if you've entered, you're going to be on a list. Are we even going to have a list? Do we have... Are we going to have an actual list? I don't think we're going to have a list. No, I don't. No, we have an idea of how many people are coming and we can fit them in and might be a bit lower, it might be a bit higher, but it's, we know, we, we pretty much know. The, the only thing that's meaningful is that tomorrow when we meet with the Kelsey's people, we're doing a walkthrough of the uh, environment at Kelsey's there, and we just need to give them an idea of how many people we think are going to show up. And if you can't make it to our party, you should go and hang at a Kelsey's, especially if you're a hockey fan. If you're a hockey fan, grab your friends and take a trip down the block to Kelsey's to watch the game. Enjoy a 16-ounce Molson Canadian draft for only $6.50. Plus, enter for your chance to win original six hockey tickets. All you got to do is visit the Roadhouse to watch a game, get a ticket, and enter to win uh, for a limited time only. And um, Kelsey's.ca has uh, more details. No purchase necessary. Taxes are extra. Uh, must be of legal drinking age. Which is kind of ironic because I feel like we've known our guest this morning since he was barely legal drinking age. <laughs> I do I do recall that. <laughs> I do recall there was a time that uh, he and I were like super uh, wine nerds there for a couple yeah. years. We drank a lot of red wine together. 
But uh, he seemed so young at that point, and now look at him, just like humble and Fred. <laughs> <laughs> he's all he's all grown up. Yeah. You know, that's, a, that's, that's almost a quarter century ago. That's oh, right. To yeah. make you guys feel old, but it is. He, what, was um, the legal, what was the legal drug age then? Was there a legal drug <laughs> age? That, yeah, the drinking I, age? You know, what it's funny you say age? that because when they, made, when they made weed legal, it took me by surprise yeah. because I always felt it was legal. <laughs> I mean, I knew that heroin wasn't. But I always felt that weed was like something that I was only going to get a ticket for. Uh, he is uh, sports and an insider, and um, a uh, he's got a national show airing across the country daily from noon to uh, two. I believe it's called the Jeff Merrick Show, or as our friend yeah, John like Moore would idea. say, the eponymously, the eponymously named uh, Jeff Merrick Show. Welcome back to the program, uh, a fellow we have high uh, high regard for, uh, Jeffrey. How are you, man? Uh, I always say yes because you guys were so helpful to me <clears throat> when I first got started. Now, the other thing about the Jeff Merrick Show is I hate the name. There's sort of this element of, um, you know, wilderness of mirrors when you name your own show after yourself. I wanted to call it, Freddie, you might like this one, Rink Fries. Because mm. who doesn't like mm. Rink Fries? Yeah, man. You know what, Jeff? It's funny you say that. I My grandson, I had him at a game, I think, yeah. last week, and I went by, and they were... Something about the aroma of fries in a rink. It is crazy, isn't it? Just Everyone so has that. You like want them. Yeah, yeah, you want them. You got to have them. Now, it's got to be a very specific type of fry, one that can kind of defend itself. You don't want it too soggy. You don't want it too crisp. Like, yes, mm-hmm. Freddie Humble, I have, I've thought about this a lot, but that's what, that's what I wanted to call it. I wanted to call the show Rink Fries. And I love said, that idea. Uh, no, this is, this is a branding exercise. We're calling it mm-hmm. after your name. No. You know, how dare you be that creative? Exactly. <laughs> you know, I have a memory similarly from from hockey as a kid. Yeah. But in the summertime, I worked at a golf course. Like from the time I was about eleven till I was sixteen, I used to clean clubs. And then my big treat was French fries and gravy. And to this day. Once in a while, like I know that fries now, you're supposed to have a lot of people dress it up with mayonnaise and some hot sauce, but I would still have. And not with, uh, I didn't have it with uh, poutine, like just straight up French fries and gravy. Maybe that would be your, that could also be, hey, I want to call it ring fries or fries with gravy. Mm. Sure. Or uh, mustard on fries. I don't know. I always like mustard with French fries. Seriously. Mustard and malt malt vinegar. Okay. I love malt vinegar. Here's how old I am. Winston Churchill, Collegiate Institute, Scarborough, early 70s. Tuesdays and Thursdays were Fridays, and you could have French Fridays, and you could have the gravy. And it was a big plate for 25 cents. Yeah. You know, for a second there, Jeff, Jeff, for a second there, I thought he was going to go Winston Churchill, a good friend of mine, <laughs> and I. <laughs> the last time I saw him, we were in a bunker. That's right. The the, the, the man who weaponized the English language and sent it to war. With That's the right. Winston Churchill and I used to get fries every Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, ring fries. There you go. What's going on, boys? Uh, so much in the world of sports, in the world of Humble and Fred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if I may, off the top, I would add, you know, this Otani thing we went through this week. Yeah. You, know, you being a reputable reporter, a reliable source. What's it like for you, Jeff, in yes. this new world when you're trying to get out accurate information? And yeah. you have all these guys with their blogs and their X feeds, their Twitter feeds, throwing yeah. out this bullshit. And you yeah. sort of have to swim Stiff. through it to get the real word out. Uh, yeah, it's um, 
it's a real different universe now and it is really um for a lot of us a race to get it out quick like i'm i i used to i used to fall into that trap of have to get it out fast have to get it out fast have to quote unquote win and now even though i don't play golf uh, i kind of treat it like golf i Mm. just play the course you know i i play what comes to me and what i can verify i don't care about i'm going to be first to the story i'm going to be second to the story um, just because I've seen so many, so many reputations get dented, mm-hmm. um, when you want, when you, when you follow that race and try to get it out quick. Now, having said that, and I think what, what you're sort of alluding to is John Morosi with the Otani news with the flight and all that. That's a tricky one mm-hmm. because you can tell that Morosi, just by the nature of the tweet and the, uh, the sort of no comment about the contract from his representation, like, He's getting that from a really good place. Here's the and he left that tweet up for a long time, right? He left that up after everyone was already treating him like a pinata, and then once it became obvious that it was an erroneous tweet, so after four or five hours, then he put out the uh, the correction and the apology. But you can tell that he got that from someone somewhere or someone that he's used before is credible to him. And I will tell you, in this industry, there is nothing more stressful then putting something out there and then waiting and then questioning yourself. And do I take it down? And what does it mean if I take it down? What if I'm wrong? Like it is a really, really uncomfortable sit for anyone who does that job. It's tough. You have to rely on people who have been good to you before. Like we all have our sort of, you know, gold star, silver star, bronze star sources that we all use. Nobody bats a thousand. Like, nobody gets out of this game clean. Nobody. Fred, humble. Nobody bats a thousand. It is so, so, such a difficult one. And it's, uh, as always, Fred, I, <clears throat> I have my screen open and it's got a picture of uh, Shohei Otani because I wanted to bring it up for different reasons. I'm glad you went that sure. way. Because, mm-hmm. but following up on what Fred said, do you think, and again, for people who don't know, Jeff and I and Fred have known each other for a long, long time. Oh, yeah. So, and when we all worked together in uh, the early 2000s, the feedback system, the loop of feedback was a lot slower. You know, yeah, we often talk about when people didn't like our show, they would have to write us an angry letter, and then all right of a sudden, yes, then all of a yeah. sudden there was a time when they could tell us they thought we sucked in real time. So my question yeah. to you is: Do you think that because of that instant feedback, it makes your job tougher? It it does if you if you fall into that trap. Like there's a lot of people that spend their lives on Twitter X and that is their entire like that is their entire ecosystem. I'm going to have all of my information live here and the audit on my work is going to happen on Twitter. I think we all always have to catch ourselves and remember not everybody's on that social media platform. It feels like it. There's mm-hmm. an echo chamber about it. There's a wilderness of mirrors that we all sort of live in when when we live on Twitter. But I always catch myself and and I have to remind myself, not everybody is on this platform. Is it the best wire service going? Absolutely. Is it instant feedback and communication? Absolutely. But we always have to catch ourselves and remember that not everybody is on this platform. The other thing about it too, and I got this this great advice years and years ago from a yoga instructor. We were having a conversation about the industry. Maybe you guys have, have had a similar conversation with someone who gave you a bit of wisdom that, that you've always stuck with. And it was after yoga class and we were talking about what I do for a living. And she said, you know, how do you handle criticism? You must get a lot of it now. It's really easy. Humble to your point. You know, Twitter exists. So instant feedback exists. I'm going to show you. Bam. Mm-hmm. She said, look, one thing you have to realize in your life, 
you're going to meet people who love you and you're going to meet people who hate you. And what you need to understand is none of it has anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. None of it has anything to do with you. That's just where they are in their life at that time. And the other thing that I always remind myself of is dogs don't bark at parked cars. If you don't want to get criticized, don't do anything. Don't mm-hmm. say right. anything. Yes. You know, Just be a parked car and the dogs won't bark at you. The other aspect, though, um, what I was getting at 20 years ago, Howard just referred to back then, you were in a position where you could sort of take your time with it. And whether you rush it now or don't rush it now, what you didn't have was Bobby in his mom's basement throwing stuff out there like it's real news and it becoming part of the mix. That's got to that's got to be aggravating. Well, you know what was really aggravating recently was with Connor Bedard, the Chicago Blackhawks. That because one, yes. you're right, that was Bobby in his basement. That started that one. And I think it's as much a comment on the hockey industry and how mm-hmm. a lot of people like to pretend they don't like the soap opera element of all of their sports until there's something as potentially salacious yeah. as yes. what we saw with the Connor Bedard, Corey Perry story, which was patently false and the furthest away from the truth. But it's almost as if everybody wanted it to be true. And yes. that's why the, and that's why they trafficked in it. Mm-hmm. Right. It was just too juicy. I always say, listen, even low hanging fruit is nutritious. And that's why we take a swing. <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, it is such low hanging fruit. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't in, I didn't get into it as much because Fred had to explain to me who all these people were because I don't follow sure. hockey. But I did. It did remind me now that you use the word salacious. And again, talking about the way that media used to move at a slower pace, and I say social media has accelerated it, but all those rumors about, you know, uh, Wendell and rumors about, uh, and the the stories about Doug Gilmore and all these things. Moria Salming. Moria Salming. What was the story about Moria? Yeah, because his giant hammer. Dan Duran. Dan Duran. Type of thing. (laughs) So, yeah, but yeah. The, the point they is, they called him king for a reason. Howard. For a reason, exactly. called yes. him king for a reason. Well, we, uh, you know, <laughs> I, you don't you don't follow the show we do now, but Dan Duran is also the king. Yeah. It's, it's quite something. It's, and the emperor. <clears throat> it's very intimidating the, uh, being around him. Swing well, at the same pitch twice. So my point is, those stories were around, but yeah. they certainly weren't part of the public discourse the way that Bedard yeah. story was. Yep. Yeah. It was yeah, something guys it's, it's, knew. It's a, I, I think it's like, I, I think that, look, there's a shady side of the mountain and there's a sunny side of the mountain. Like Twitter X can be X. And like I mentioned, like it's, to me, it's the best. It's the first beast that gets served. Like it is the best news service going. It is the best wire service going because that's the first thing that gets fed. Like when I was talking about media, feed the beast, feed the beast. You have to give them a little bit every now and then or else when there's a vacuum of information, wild stories come out. And then all you do is spend all your time putting out fires. So you need to feed the beast. And what gets fed first? What gets fed first is Twitter X. You know, I always laugh and I'm I'm not taking myself uh, out of this equation. I'm part of it. Okay, but every year at NHL trade deadline, we spend so much money at Sportsnet and dedicate so many resources to all day programming around the trade deadline. And so does TSN. When I was at CBC, we did it as well. And I always laugh to myself and say, like, you know who wins trade deadline? Twitter. Twitter gets fed 
first. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, it was it was national news that got fed first. And you could do things like embargo news. We have this piece of information at three. We will present it at 610. And it was fine. It could live for three hours. Now you can't do that. Now you can maybe sit on something for about three minutes until it gets uh, until it gets out there. So there is that pressure to uh, to get that beast fed. But, you know, Twitter, on the one hand, can be such a great such a great forum for exchanging ideas um and it is and a great place to find out information the problem is that comes with some baggage the trade deadline stuff that's why when you watch those things all you guys in the panels or the guys that sit at the panel they're all looking at their phones obviously you see the tops right. of our heads because yeah. that's where you're getting it <laughs> one more one more thing on the badard situation which, which yeah. disturbs me is <clears throat> How I guess we've always been as nasty as we are today, but the no compassion there. The kid's 18 years old. He's just starting his NHL career, and these people have no problem with throwing that stuff out about his mother. Like, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's gross. It's it gross. It's, it's, the, it's, it's gross. It's disgusting. It felt awful for uh, for him. Now, as many people, let me let me take the other side of that argument too. The reason that that was able to have legs and the old story about you know the old uh, saying you know the truth runs around the block before or, sorry, uh, a lie runs around the block before the truth gets his shoes on mm-hmm. and walks out the front door mm-hmm. um that is true and people have pointed out look that's what happens when you have an information vacuum because obviously chicago blackhawks were told by their human resources department don't say anything about cory perry don't say anything about what happened. Don't all you're allowed to say is we don't know where he is, and this is out of our hands. And as people have pointed out, this is what happens when you don't. You know, go back to the previous point: feed the beast. Yeah. At least give someone a little bit of information. And and you know, not to sound like you know, two of us here are 130 years old, and you're still a young man. But I would say there was a time. How much? How old are you now? A buck twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. I'm right behind. I'm catching. So, I'm catching. <laughs> but I'm going to make a point where not everything about modern social discourse is bad because there was a no. time back in the you know I'm going to take you back to the '60s and the Punch Imlac era where uh-huh. and and on the PGA Tour or or any other sports reporters had there was such a um, you want to talk about an embargo of information you know they saw athletes do things and it was just unseemly. To ever yep. report it, we've had this conversation. It wasn't until the the Bobby Hull trade or the trade when he went to the WHA. WHA, Sorry, I, re- yeah. I remember this as one of the yeah. first times I ever recall hearing how much an athlete made. So mm. it, it, that's how it used to be. Mm-hmm. It, and, and there was, and then it be, now we have an avalanche of information. You know, part of the Otani story that's fascinating to everyone. We've talked about it for three days now. Is the amount of money he's getting, getting the amount of deferral in the contract? I guess my point is, is is more information better than no information? No, it's always better. You're, you're 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 bang on about that. And was there a cozy sort of? You're so right about that, Howard. Um, was there a, an element of these reporters are in our hip pocket? Don't Absolutely, worry, something done. Whether it's a hatchet job or get some information out, we can call whomever at whatever newspaper and get that done. You're a hundred percent right. You are a hundred. And, and by the right. way, it's 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 the same in politics because Woodward and Bernstein. That was like early seventies when Watergate. That was kind of like the first reporters to ever turn on, yeah, uh, on on the politics on the politicos. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the spirit of the times, too, right? Because yep. everybody, I mean, I, I would argue it was, you know, the Kennedy assassination, um, as we've just, you know, um, celebrated the 60th anniversary here. Uh, I would argue that that was the beginning of it, of questioning government legitimately mm-hmm. in the United States for the first time. Like, ho- hold on a second. Like we had, you know, the, the Warren Commission and, you know, the church inquiries and all of a sudden people for the, for the first time in the United States kind of woke up and went, is our government lying to us? <laughs> That's right. We never considered that Republican or a Democrat. They're lying to us. I, I think that was the, the sort of the, the wake up moment for uh, for American politics. Right. And the flip side of that is actual corruption. Back in the day, like, say, the Leafs in the 60s, you know, Frank or Milt Donnell and all these guys, they, yeah. you know, they had nice, solid jobs with their newspapers. And if they crossed the very powerful ownership of those teams at the time, mm-hmm. yeah. they could be they could be barred from the dressing room. They could be told yep. they can't come in the building and they would lose their jobs. So, yeah, they would sit on information that they might not yeah. uh, re- Can I release. Yeah. I've got a good story for you that winks at that. So. Um, Bill Waters, former assistant general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He tells a great story, and I've talked to Mike Zeisberger, firmly of the Sun now with NHL.com, about this one. You guys will recall, when the Matt Sundin contract was happening in Toronto, it was a huge story. Was Matt's going to resign? How much was it going to be for? We knew it was going to be a whopper of a deal. What's this one going to be? So Mike Zeisberger, who at that point was writing for the Toronto Sun, finds out what the deal is. And as a courtesy, calls Bill Waters, who's the assistant GM, and says, Billy, uh, I got the details on the Sundin contract. It's uh, this many years for this much compensation. Here's how the money works and breaks down and blah, 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 blah. Just want to let you know this is coming out tomorrow so you're not surprised. Great courtesy. And Bill says, Mike, I like you, but you're wrong. And if you put that in the newspaper, you're going to embarrass yourself. You're going to humiliate yourself. You're going to humiliate your profession as well because you are not right. And Mike said, look, I got it from a good source. I'm going with it. I'm just giving it to you as a courtesy. Mike, I'm telling you, you're wrong. And this went on for a few minutes. So the piece comes out the next day in the Toronto Sun. And then Matt Sundin signs afterwards. And turns out the information was right. And Bill Waters has Mike Seisberger up to his cottage that summer and is walking him around the cottage and says, Mike, come into this room. And so they walk into a room and he points at a chair. And uh, Mike says, why are you pointing at the chair? He says, that's the chair I was sitting in when I lied to you about the Matt contract. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> um, we're Old talking Billy. to uh, Jeff America, if you're just tuning in on Facebook. Uh, this morning, I'm on a group uh, group chat with a bunch of guys I golf with. And yep. they're they're I, I basically from about April till, you know, sometime in October, it's it's all golf. And then in this it turns to hockey. And I I sometimes don't pay much attention because at every Leaf game, they're all over it. But this morning yep. I said, hey, a buddy of mine's coming on the show. They're all they all know you. I said, do you got I said, hey, Leaf nerds. Do you have any questions? <laughs> I said, hey, Leaf nerds. Do you have a question for Jeff yeah. Merrick? Yeah. So here's here's one I thought you'd like. Uh, one of my buddies, his name is Al Trivet. He says Merrick is a walking hockey encyclopedia. He's oh ridiculously well informed. As as such, I'd like to know if Jeff thinks Keith will last the season. So that's Sheldon Keefe, the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes. So we had another coach fired in the NHL last night. That's Craig Berube of the St. Louis Blues. They most recently lost games to Chicago and Columbus. 
to the worst teams in the NHL. This is the third firing so far. A guy also who won a Stanley Cup in recent history. 2019, <laughs> the only St. Louis Blues coach to win a cup. Thanks Ever. very much. Here's your hat. What's your hurry? Yeah. Um, I think that he will. Um, will he last? Is he the long-term coach for this team? I'm skeptical about that. The the one thing, and again, this isn't a hard and fast rule. I mean, teams have, like general managers have come in and had a head coach there already. And sometimes it's worked and sometimes it's, it, 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 uh, it, it hasn't. But I think what Al is getting at here, Humble, is the idea that when a new manager comes in, they have the right to pick their own staff. Like he, Sheldon Keefe was not Brad Tree Living's hire. Now, what I do think as well, and and this is actually this is actually wise. What I and Brad Tree Living is a veteran general manager. What sometimes happens is when you're a new GM and you come in, you just don't want to shoot all of your bullets at the same time. You have to save your bullets. So even if long term Brad Tree Living does want quote unquote his own coach, you don't do it right away. You save that bullet for later. If you come in and and empty it, then what do you have later on in the season or next year? Like you always sort of have to be planning where we're going to be six months, one year, three years, five years, and who's going to be behind the bench. So I, I do wonder, to, to Al's point, I think that Sheldon Keefe is, is all right for this season. And I think like anything else, it's going to depend on what they do in the playoffs. And I don't think that just getting past the first round anymore is going to cut it for Maple Leafs fans mm-hmm. or for Maple Leafs management. And it's not as if Sheldon keeps on a long term. So deal before either. Freddie jumps back in, what do you think? Is this because I haven't watched? I watched basically. I started watching in April. And yeah, um, what uh, is this team going to get past the first round? I mean, they have enough skill, um, but it's not always the most skilled team that wins in the playoffs. I mean, the, the NHL is essentially two types of seasons there's like, we always talk about play there's two kinds of players in the nhl as well there are players that get you there and then there are players that get you through and the question is do the maple leafs have enough of the players that get you through and if you have an idea of what brad Living wants to do with this team either you know completely redo the defense uh maybe do something with the net mining you probably say to yourself i don't know that even tree living thinks that they have the players that get you through they'll be able to get there and i think if the team remains as it is it's only a question of can they surf on their skill longer than one se- one series yeah, as far as the Keefe thing goes, again, with the coach, I mean, he can't play goal and he can't play defense. He can only play yeah. the players that he's been given. So I defend him from that aspect. But, you know, for to win the Stanley Cup, I mean, the, the template is there. We saw it last year with, with Vegas and with Colorado. The Maple yeah. Leafs are so far away from that template that yeah. you need to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. I don't even, like, you know what me, it it's is? not even a consideration. So you know what it is? And I'm glad you took us there because the one thing that we've, we've, we've found out now with Bradshaw Living, and if you look at Bradshaw Living's history, whenever Bradshaw Living makes a deal, he always grabs a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Tree Living builds his teams from the blue line out. And if you look at the teams that have won the Stanley Cup most recently, Vegas, Colorado, Tampa, St. Louis, Washington, what do they all have in common? 
because I assure you, it's not goaltending. It's the blue line. Mm -hmm. And they have large, mobile defensemen. You know, Tom Watt used to have a great line where he would talk about what he wants in the blue line. He'd always say, I want my blue line to be virile, agile, hostile, dancing bears. (laughs) And we we all kind of laugh. Virile, agile, hostile. Okay, Tom. But it's true. Like, you look at the size of the blue lines of all those recent Stanley Cup teams. Freddie, when you talk about the model, mm-hmm. that's that's almost like yeah. you need that. You, you, if you want to play poker, like, that's that's minimum. That's the minimum you're, that's the minimum you're playing. And even though I'm and a casual and even though I'm a ca- casual observer, I've made this point to both of you individually and as a group. I've been watching this team off and on since I came to town in 1989. And every era mm-hmm. the problem has always been you know what i'm gonna it's all you, you don't is this guy so then is it right. is he going to be the one to finally fix the defense because they've had it's, by the way they've had great yeah. goaltenders you think about yes. who they've had there pot yeah. curtis joseph on and on they've oh, yeah. had good Belfort. good Belfort. Belfort. Yeah. they've had superstar goaltenders yep has is no one thought about fixing the fucking but, defense? Okay, but here, okay, so here's, I'm, this is really good. So here's why, here's where it gets even more complicated. If you look at the history of Maple Leafs fans, what do they always do? They get on one defenseman and they make that defenseman indicative and the sort of symbol of all the problems that the Maple Leafs have. It's Larry Murphy. It's Aki Berg. It's Corey Cross. It's Brian McCabe. It's Jake Gardner. Keep going. This list goes on and on and on. Yeah. And if you don't think that other players around the NHL <laughs> see that, specifically defensemen, like who wants to come yourself, here? Well, yeah. Do I want to? But join remember, this Larry, Mur- Larry Murphy left, and when didn't Larry Murphy leave? What and then cups? and then won the Stanley Cup with Detroit. With Detroit? Is that right? How, yes. How do I remember that? that? Yeah. That, that's yeah. another aggravating yeah. thing about the Leafs because <laughs> defensemen struggle here and go somewhere else and play well. And, you know, this year, it was going to happen to Klingberg, right? Yes. Bingo. Yes, they were all They were going to be all yes. over Klingberg. He was going to yes. be the punching bag. Yeah. He ends up having hip, hip surgery. Yeah. Here's a player that probably thought, I would rather have my hip operated <laughs> on <laughs> That's right. than, than be exposed to Maple Leaf fans. That's yeah, funny. well, it, it was very, very much trending that direction, and he was already hearing the howls and the catcalls. And you're right, oh, yeah. he was, he was going to join the... Uh, the, the, the conga line of defensemen <laughs> oh, that have yeah. been run out of town by Maple Leafs fans. Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny, Jeff. I can't remember how to add fractions, but for some reason, Larry Murphy to Detroit and winning the Stanley Cup is stuck on some kind of myelin that formed 30 years ago. Yeah. One of um, the worst ones in our history was Larry uh, was uh, Randy Carlisle, who left here struggling and became a Norris division, uh, a Norris, Norris champion. winner and yep. Stanley Cup champion. And oh. well, you'll you'll recall, and I don't know why I don't know why more Maple Leaf fans don't talk about this moment. But in the 1978 uh, series against the New York Islanders, we always focus on that goal by Lanny McDonald scores on mm-hmm. Chico Rush. Oh, and they win. And then the Maple Leafs get starched by the Habs the next round. But it's a great Maple Leafs moment. Mm-hmm. Right before then, it's interesting you mentioned, mentioned Randy Carlisle. Carlisle, it's overtime, coughs up a fur ball to Billy Harris in his own zone. It's a bad one. Like in the history of Maple Leafs turnovers, this one is insane. And Mike Palmatier makes a save on Harris should be considered one of the greatest saves. If he doesn't make that save, Lanny doesn't score that goal. Maple Leafs are out and then the whole thing is blowing up. Considering that Maple Leafs fans take the tiniest little victories and make them huge, C-1993. (laughs) 
I'm surprised that no one to this day nobody talks about that Palmateer save on Harris. I know the McDonald goal was great. I understand it, but if Palmateer doesn't make that save, we're not even talking about Lanny. You know why I think with the, with the with the turnover. You know why I think because I was only 11 years out from the last Stanley Cup, so I think as we've mm-hmm. gone. You know, as we get farther away from the last Stanley Cup, these insignificant moments become more significant mm-hmm. in our minds. Yeah. Because think about that. In 1970, think how fast the last 11 years have gone by. In yeah. 1978, the Leafs were like just 11 years removed from a Stanley Cup. It wasn't that long, you know? Yeah. And they were probably two pieces away from yes. being competitive with the Islanders and the Habs. Right. right? They and Harold Her- blew it up. Yep. And Harold blew it up. I mean, Harold started by not competing for contracts against the WHA, so they lost mm-hmm. all their young defensemen. Yeah. Right? They lost, uh, you know, Mike Pellick was gone. Jim Dory was gone. Like, all of their young, Rick Lee, all mm-hmm. of them, their yep. whole young defense, gone. Because he wouldn't bid against contracts for the WHA. You know, Howard, you mentioned the WHA and, and uh, Bobby Hall a second ago. You look at the teams that did bid for contracts and kept their players. Montreal Canadiens, New York Islanders, uh, Boston Bruins, Philadelphia Fl- All these teams that said, no, we're hanging on to our guys. Is it going to cost us more? Yes, or we're going to win championships. The Maple Leafs said, you want to go, go. Mm. We'll hang on to we'll hang on to some of our older balding guys. I'm uh, <laughs> let's bring, hey, here's an idea. Let's bring Carl Brewer back. That's right. Oh yes. We, 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 all these right, young guys yeah. are gone. We've got guys with no helmets and bald spots. See, I can't I can't understand, Fred, why my buddy Al Trivet said that Merrick is uh, a walking hockey encyclopedia. Oh, yeah. um, uh, listen, man, before we uh, have to say goodbye, um, how are things? Family's good. Uh, you're fine. And no one's Oh, good. Yeah. No one's sick. It's, it seems like everyone's sick. I, I know a bunch of people now that have got some kind of December flu here in Toronto, but everyone's fine. Everyone's okay. Like a, a couple of kids went through, I mean, my oldest one went through a, a week off school because he was sick. Um, you know, I've been off and on fighting this throat thing. I have no idea what it is. It flares up every now and then. But like, listen, on the, on the scale of things to complain about, like mm-hmm. if it were a gymnasium, I'd be way at the back in the bad seats right. with the uh, you know, impaired view. Every, everyone's doing great here. Thanks okay, good. Us. Jeff, you have a couple of boys, right? Two boys and uh, we have a daughter as well that we adopted. Joe is now seven. Oh, wow. nice. Now, the two boys yeah. both play hockey, and they're both pretty good, right? So they're okay, yeah. <laughs> they're all right. Like how good? So, Triple uh, A good, yeah. Wow. So that's that's a lot of time and a lot of driving for dad, isn't it? I'm a sports uber. You know, it's funny. I, yeah. I always get the question, when's the last time you played hockey? Jeez, probably it, after the boys started playing, I didn't have time to, to play hockey at all. Like, I just mm-hmm. haven't really have enough time to fit in a workout every day. Mm-hmm. So when you go to see your sons play, being a, yes. an, an expert that you are on the game and having a, a a wide sort of spectrum of information, is it is it weird when the other parents come up to you and they all want to pimp you for information or they want to talk about the Leafs or no. do they sort of leave you alone? No, they, no, I, I don't. I don't mind it. Like I know that. Like this, this comes with the with the terrain. Like I've decided to stick my head up above the crowd. So if people want to ask me at a rink about. When are the Maple Leafs going to fix their power play? What are they going to do with the yeah. blue line? Like, that's that's fine. Like mm. that comes with the terrain. That's one of the things you sort of accept when you when you get into this profession. I don't mind at all, at all. Mm-hmm. 
Very good. And you do um, your show every day from home. That's pretty good, too. I've noticed. I've, do you ever? I've, do, I've gra- graduated to my basement. Isn't it the best? <laughs> Isn't it the best? <laughs> it's fantastic. It's about, if, you'd been on, if you'd been on with us, if you were with us Monday, Fred was doing it from a, um, a condo in Florida. If you were with us a week ago, I was in Mexico for seven weeks. Let me tell you, so the old guys, even though we're not part of the mainstream, let me tell you, Jeff, we figured this shit out. Oh, dude, I got it. And every two weeks, a paycheck shows up and someone yells, it's ridiculous. Stop. I swear, like, I robbed the bank and didn't have to wear a mask. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you, you, you come hang with us when you get a little older. We'll tell you how we do it. Um, I got a, Before I let you go, you mentioned, you said this yeah. twice. One of the, I'm, again, having spent many a night drinking red wine with you, I, I love the fact that you, you love words and you're very, not only well versed in hockey, but you have great oh, references. And you mentioned this twice. So I went and looked it up, this phrase, wilderness of mirrors. And, James uh, Angleton. James Ang- a Wilderness of Mirrors is where the line between source and target, fact and fiction, yes. trust yes. and betrayal shatter Fred into yes. a million shards. And I thought, well, we sort of have something like that here, Freddie, but we call it the wilderness of flatulence. And that's, um, <laughs> that's always been all... Humble and, humble and Fred and former head of the CIA. <laughs> right. It's, so, it's so, always so, been our so paradigm. Uh, Jeff Merrick hosts the Jeff Merrick Show, formerly known uh, as Rink Fries, a.k.a. Rink yeah. Fries. Uh, noon to two on uh, The Fan, and you can watch them on Sportsnet. And uh, we'll wish you all the best of the Thanks, holidays. Boys. See you, you in the new good year. Good to see you, Jeff. Thanks, pal. Yeah, Thanks, Jeffrey. Good to see you, gentlemen. Call back anytime. Thanks, all right, buddy. Be well. Take care. You know what's really sad is how long I had that fart joke in the in the chamber for the entire interview. <laughs> right. It's, it's so sad that I was like so happy I couldn't wait to yeah. go wilderness of flatulence. Fucking you know, uh, <laughs> Oh well, hey, you got it out finally. <laughs> really let it go. Um, he mentions uh, Bill Waters. Good guy. Really like Bill. Yeah, me Back too. In, after Jeff had left 640 and it was uh, Leafs Lunch with Bill Waters, whatever the show was, um, I filled in a couple of times and I was working with uh, Bill one night and we were talking. I said, I like scotch. He said, you like scotch? I said, yeah. And he goes, you know what? Everybody gives me a bottle of scotch. Every time I turn around, somebody's giving me a bottle of scotch. He says, I probably have 30 or 40 bottles of scotch. I don't drink this stuff. He said, do you want it? I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I'll get you that scotch. You don't worry about that. I'd be more than happy to, to give it to you, Freddie. And I never got it. When is he, you're saying that Bill Waters owes you like 40 bottles of scotch? He promised me the scotch and then he would mention it like, don't forget, I'm going to get you that scotch. And I'm thinking, all he needs to say is, you know, Fred, drive up and I'll drive up and get it. Oh, yeah, you kidding would. kidding me? Sure. But anyway, I never got the scotch. Um, before we get to the, uh, I'm sorry. I'm saying I never got the scotch. I wonder who did. No. Um, well, that's a story for next time, for when we get uh, Merrick back on. Uh, 1.4 million EVs and plug-in hybrids were sold globally in November, uh, marking a new record. Sales were up 20% compared to last year due to strong growth in North America. If you've always wondered what that experience is like, uh, now you can uh, take advantage of uh, this offer from rentelectric.ca. You can get $40 off your first rental using the voucher or code HUMBLEEV. Call 1-800-387-9391. 
or go to rentelectric.ca. That's rentelectric.ca. Here in Etobicoke, you can uh, rent a uh, an EV for a day, for an hour, for a weekend, for a week. Try it out before you buy it at 1-800-387-9391. Uh, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Go to chamberplan.ca today. Get a free quote. Very simple. The badge is right there. You click on it. It says get a free quote. And within minutes, really, you can know exactly what this will cost you. You will be pleasantly surprised that it's doable for your small business, be it one, two, or a hundred employees. It's very clever the way they've set it up. It's called this pooling system. And, you know, a bunch of small companies now have the profile of a big company. It it makes purchasing insurance, um, well, affordable. And it does. And it's prescriptions and dental. And it's, uh, you know, they have a mental health component, HR department that you can tap into. On and on and on. And a great travel uh, insurance uh, component to it as well. It's the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, chamberplan.ca. Okay, just uh, waiting for uh, the Sherpa to join us here as we get uh, ready for uh, the countdown. The countdown will continue today. There he is. is. Well, there's our friend Timmy. There's Tim Niblett. Hang on, I got to get the Tim Niblett theme. Here we go now. For quite some time now, we've been lucky enough to have access to the business acumen of this fine character, this gentle giant, uh, this portfolio manager, beyond compare. (laughs) He he is uh, the retirement Sherpa. He takes care of your money so you don't have to think about it. Retirement Sherpa, tim.niblet at raymondjames.ca. And uh, from the home office in Florida... Where, by the way, Tim's also a portfolio manager accredited in both America and Canada. So that's why he's down there servicing the people. can't say that. Nope. He's down there servicing the people. <laughs> yeah, good morning, everybody. Great to uh, see you. Sorry to see you both uh, back home there, but hope you had a great, uh, a great time. Actually, interestingly enough, I had somebody reach out about a U.S. business who's down in Florida this week. And I just presumed he was a humble and Fred listener, right? Because he was from the GTA and and all, and and did look look listen to you in the good old days. And maybe you hopefully have a new podcast listener now as a result. Well, and we'd love Fantastic. that. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and sorry you can't make our uh, Christmas, uh, whatever we're calling it, the gift of the humble and Fred holidays at Kelsey's next Wednesday. And um, but. Uh, I, 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 I was talking to Tim last week on a different matter. I should have asked you this. Are you? Because I've come home for a few weeks. I'm going back down on the 20th of January. Do you come home at all anymore, or do you stay down there now for the duration? I, I used to go back and forth, right? I mean, it's 15 years now. So, I mean, I used to be back and forth every second week or so in the early days. But, no, since COVID, um, we've unfortunately learned that Zoom meetings work real well. And uh, I've got an awesome team, as you know. So, nope, just uh, come down here and stay down here. So you uh, so you sold the private jet, okay? Yes, yes. I, I don't have any need for that uh, anymore. I was okay. thinking of giving it to Ron DeSantis for his uh, you know uh, debate things, but I don't know right how much now. longer he'll be needing. I haven't. I didn't see any of that last night. I know DeSantis. They were doing the uh, CNN town hall, and I was going to watch it, and then I decided I'd rather watch something entertaining. Um, let's get to it. I, Freddie and I couldn't remember. Are we down to the top ten or the top five? <laughs> 
Well, uh, if, if we can't remember, I mean, we can pretty well do whatever the heck we want, right? But mm-hmm. uh, yes, I, I do think we've made it to uh, to nine. And so we've got eight through five in our scintillating uh, discussion. Well, just to remind everyone, these are the tw- <laughs> these are the twenty most common investing mistakes uh, that people make. And uh, I present uh, once again the retirement shirt with Tim Niblett. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and the source is not from me, uh, although uh, a lot of these I think I could have figured out. But it's from the CFA Institute, the Charter Financial Analysts. Uh, institute who are big brainiacs and write even more exams than i ever have so uh it's a very good source so number one is is kind of or sorry number eight our first one today uh is paying too much in uh sorry focusing too much on taxes so that's um you know kind of sometimes a tail wagging the dog right we worry about saving taxes which is important um but an rsp would be a prime example Depending on your income, uh, this uh, I run into a lot with kids. People want to get their kids going on an RSP, but at, at that point in time, they're probably not making the most they ever will. So once that dollar of RSP room's gone, it's gone forever. So they they want to save that up till later. Probably populate a a TFSA first as an example, not an RSP. Interesting. Yes. Number seven. Taxes are a big part of it all, aren't they not? Paying too much in fees. <laughs> yeah, the the reason uh, I was doing the paying too much is because that's uh, in the next one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just paying too much in fees. You know, sometimes uh, we do know the price of everything and the value of nothing. Um, sometimes our uh, most effective net investments have some of the highest fees because they're maybe a bit more complex or a little more involved and uh, just a little more labor resistant so uh, in insistent or something like that mm-hmm. but you know as an example you could use an ETF an exchange traded fund that costs almost nothing it just mirrors an index and and they can work great and they can have a good part but sometimes paying to have a professional manager on your side can net you out even most and it's really the net that's a big consideration i'd suggest all right something i should have done all along (laughs) (laughs) number uh Six. six And this one, this one makes sense to me. I've heard this my entire investing life. Trading too much. Right. AIC, if you remember them, uh, they were a big fund company back in the day. Michael Lee Chin out of Burlington. Yep. And they had very effective oh, ads sorry. with all the kind of noise and traffic and headlines and jarring. You guys were talking with Jeff about Twitter as an example, about all the the mm-hmm. info that's out there readily maybe from somebody in their their mother's basement so usually if you 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 know your goals you know your targets you know what you need your money to do you pick them prudently you got to pay attention to them but often just sitting still and being patient if it's warren buffett famously right just i hold and prosper that's mm-hmm. uh kind of borrowed uh, by aic again mm-hmm. as well so yeah if you you know, when when we plant a tree, we don't pull it out of the ground every six months to see how it's doing. We just <laughs> kind of feed it and water it and let it grow. And, and what a great analogy! Sometimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait a second. I have a question. You don't pull it out of the ground every six months. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I no- suggest not to. And no. now, uh, counting down the most common mistakes that investors make. Number six. 
Uh, number five, I think. Number I five. <laughs> yes. Unless you want to do six twice, Harry. <laughs> the, the next one. How about I don't the have the one? screen open because the sound effects is on a different <laughs> okay. screen. Come on, you guys. Five. I'm doing the best five. I can. Number five. Uh, well, most Canadians and, and people all around the world have this one mastered for sure, right? Buying high and uh, and selling low. All right. Uh, we're, we're really good at uh, wanting to buy more of something that's very high priced. Which sometimes yeah. can be a good idea. There's a whole segment of the market called growth investments. So uh, certainly your Apple over the years would be a prime example of something that's high but keeps going up. Uh, but yeah, you really got to watch the emotions, right? We got to look forward, of course, as we talked before, not not backwards. Interest rates right now are probably, if not at their zenith, pretty close to it. So, uh, you know, the same things that worked over the last two years might not work as well over the next two years because the, uh, the landscape's going to change. And then there's the whole thing of, uh, you know, identifying stuff that's low and wondering whether that's a good investment. On that point, quickly, the company we used to work for, Chorus Entertainment, at one point the stock was like 48 bucks several years ago. Now it's below $1.00. And I'm thinking, you know, everybody's laughing at them and making fun of them, especially people that work for them. But I'm thinking, boy, should I buy some of that now? Although being a sunset industry, I'm just wondering if uh, that would be good. But it gets a guy to thinking. Yeah, I, I've seen a number of times where people have made a mistake, myself included sometimes, by uh, going, well, it can't get any worse, can it? And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. and often there's a reason that that happened. We think of, of Briex or, or Tyco or, or Nortel or whatever in, in the good mm-hmm. old days, right? So, you, again, you got to look forward. And you mentioned with that case specifically, I, I don't follow it closely. Right. But yeah, Sunset Industry, that's not going to change anytime no. soon, right? No. So. Mm-hmm. Unless they've got a new business plan that capitalizes on the wave there. I remember, uh, this is uh, how long I've been at this, when Amazon first became worth more than Sears. Uh, I'm, you know, got to honestly say, I was kind of, what are you talking about? How can, you know, all, all this internet interweb thing be worth more than Sears yeah. and all their locations. Now, and now Amazon just uses a Sears store to, you know, park some of their shit. Um, by the <laughs> way, you, you made me laugh a second when you said like, you know, because um, I did that with Nortel. At some point with Nortel, I was like, well, it can't get any lower. And then I just watched <laughs> it go into the ground. Um, so are we, are we going to mm. try and ramp through these last four? Because we have... Because I don't want, because this is, I think, your last appearance with us. Oh, yeah, it, it would be until after uh, Christmas or, or uh, no, no, no. you celebrate. Um, yeah, right. Because, we, no, we'll come back yeah. after Christmas. Do you want to do that? Because we still have a week. No, it's after. We're not back until uh, after the Christmas party. We're not back until the first week of uh, January. Yeah, I, I've got time. If you got time, I know Jay's going to be with you guys next week and also at the. Uh, the Christmas party, which is awesome. So, uh, number four, if, if it's okay, my yeah, just keep. Progress. Let's roll. You know what? Let's roll through this. Sure. So, number four, focusing on the short term, right? Uh, investing. Well, if it's a long term goal, if it's a retirement goal, a kid's education goal, that sort of thing. What happens in the next day or week or month or, or arguably year doesn't matter as much. Again, if it's a good. Uh, good investments. So we, we've really got to know, hey, if it's something for a wedding next year, you're going to invest it differently than something for a, a retirement. Uh, not diversifying. The, these last couple of years have really shown us the importance of diversifying 
stocks and bonds both went appreciably backwards in 2022. So if that's all you had, if you didn't have alternative investments, private credit, that sort of thing, uh, you you really didn't do well. And and we statistically look at the diversification of of each. Uh, holding. Okay, we're down uh, to the two. We're down to the Sorry. last two. But let's just be. This is pretty exciting as we've gone through this over the last half, you know, three quarters of a month. I was surprised by number two is no investment goals. How is that? Is it because if you have no target, how will you know if you've hit it? Is that the kind of thing? Well, it's definitely a large part of it. it it's also that all, all your actions should align, of course, to your goals, right? I mean, if you want to retire at 50 you're going to be acting differently than if you don't want to retire until you're 70 or uh, you know if you have a second property planned or a kid's education or whatever so you you've really got to hey it's like golf my friend right i mean if you you don't know if you want to short side yourself or just aim for the middle of the green bad things can uh, can happen mm-hmm. all right well let me get the timpani for our last one here hold on and the number one Mistake that investors make. Once again, here's Tim Niblett. <laughs> Expecting too much is the number one, according to the CFA Institute. Uh, that also shapes your actions, right? So if you think your money's going to grow 12% a year uh, unchecked for the next 30 years, uh, probably not going to work too well, your your plan there. And then if you expect investments to never go down, we, we've had... My, my corny joke is salt went down precipitously. The price of salt in 1,332. Uh, I, I mean, price fluctuations in commodities and investments has changed forever. So you have to have realistic expectations. Your plan has to do that. We, we go low on what we think uh, returns are going to be, and we go high on what we think inflation is going to be. Because if you're extrapolating it out over decades, you better be realistic. Yeah, that whole instant gratification thing, I imagine, because I was the same way, a younger person, when they're first introduced to the concepts here, getting your head around 25 years from now is a little difficult. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, I want to cash in now. I want that big car now. And it's just not realistic when it comes to investing. It, It definitely doesn't mean that you can be imprudent, and it definitely doesn't mean that you should... Uh, not pay attention by any means either, but yeah, just like any area of life, reasonable expectations uh, usually create a better result for it. I think uh, somebody early on, I was really lucky in my early 20s because I had started a little company and I got started getting paid outside of the radio station paying me as an employee. And they sort of sat me down and kind of introduced the idea of compound interest and how powerful it is. And then when Freddie and I first got together, we had this thing somewhere in the 90s. We did a contest where we gave like I think it was the joke was we're going to give you a million dollars, but it was basically an RSP. And how we explained it to the audience was, Mm -hmm. you know, if we give a 25 year old a thousand or two thousand dollar RSP, at some point that could be worth a million dollars. And that is there's a great quote by somebody about the most powerful force in the universe is compound interest. It's just amazing, right? And and as I love to say, it's not the first year you're missing out on if you delay mm-hmm. contributing some more, getting something going, making your money work harder for you. It's the 23rd year or the 24th year or whatever growth you're missing, and that mm-hmm. can be a huge number. So, yes, super, super important. Yeah. I'm surprised you said that, Howard. I thought you would think uh, Tiger Woods was the most powerful force of the Well, the, sorry, obviously. <laughs> 
It's that's first. Don't be silly. Yes, that's right. Um, Tim Niblet, Tim Niblet at RaymondJames.ca. Next week, our buddy Jay from uh, Raymond James and the uh, Niblet office will be with us. And uh, wishing you the best for the uh, holiday seasons and beyond, Timothy. Yes, you guys as well. Happy holidays, of course. Lauren is actually uh, making our meat pie for Christmas Eve, mm. which is a family tradition this nice. morning. So the house smells good. I might have to sample some. Oh, Fred, do you have any final thoughts for uh, Niblet before we uh, say so long? No, for the, just, uh, uh, you know, top of the season. Enjoy yourself. You're a good man. All the best in 2024. And uh, we love you. Yep. And uh, it's almost sad that this list is over. <laughs> miss- the thing is, we'll all be back together in time for the Orthodox Christmas. <laughs> right I'll on. find you a new list, Fred, for the new year. But uh, <laughs> hey, thanks as always to, to you guys, of course, and, and all the listeners. Uh, You've definitely made my life better. Hopefully, I've uh, done a bit of the same in uh, reciprocity. As we say in Spanish, por supuesto. Of course. Por supuesto, mi amigo. All right, my friend. Thank you, Tim. There he is, Tim Niblett, the retirement Sherpa. I don't know what you're doing with your money, but get him working on it. And I love what Tim said there about the, uh, the 23rd year. Of investing, of missing out on, uh, you know, one of the. I, listen, I've made some dumb. I've, I admit it. I'm stupid. I make dumb moves all the time. I've made some dumb moves. Here's the stupidest thing I ever did. At the time, I, I had no choice. But when I left radio to move to Los Angeles to seek my fortune as a stand-up comedian, um, I didn't have any money. Like I had money in. I had by that time around age 25 or so. I'll tell you the number. I had thirty thousand dollars in an RSP, twenty-five or thirty, mm-hmm. and I was making about six or seven hundred dollars a week as a stand-up comedian. Sometimes more, sometimes less, on average. And I worked about thirty weeks a year. And I just didn't have enough money to pay for my to live in Los Angeles. So I augmented my income a couple of years with that RSP money. Not a lot. But at, at the start of the experience, if I had 30 or 35 grand at the end of it, I might have had 15 or 20. And sometimes I think about what that 15 or 20 that I used, what that would have turned into over the course of my lifetime. At the time, you know, you're, when you, to your point about being a kid, I understood. I, well, yeah, and I understood mm-hmm. that I was going to be taxed. Whatever I it was explained to me that I could take it out at less because I wasn't making very much money and blah blah blah. But I sometimes think about investing mistakes I've made and what fifteen thousand or twenty thousand would have been over the next forty years of growth. Mm -hmm. No, I get it. You're right. Money, money, money. I bought Nortel. I, I bought it. And it went up a little bit, and then I watched it go from like a fifty dollars stock to a five percent stock. I remember you and I having those conversations. I think we were working in Brampton at the time, weren't we? Maybe when that was a thing. Yep. And uh, I considered it and resisted, and you couldn't resist. Nope. Um. And I don't know who was whose advice at the time I took, but. Well, the thing is, at the time, because I, you're right, it was Brampton, because I knew somebody mm-hmm. at my golf course who worked at Nortel. And they yeah, were right here. Right. And so they were like, yeah, this is a great uh, investment idea. I've, you know, that's the other thing. You can't, I've lost some money in investing, but I've had a couple of, 
you know, they call them a couple of home runs. Mm-hmm. The, the point is, you have to take some chances. You know, there's long-term growth and RSPs and, you know, they're all great and, and having an advisor. But every once in a while, you got to take a couple little chances and you're going to get, you're not going to win them all, but the odd time you can win, win it big, right? I think it was that OLG saying that they had, which was so true. You got to be in it to win it. Right. It's that simple. Like, yeah, like, how are you going to cash in unless you, you know, uh, participate? <laughs> Dan Duran, are you uh, back with us now? Are you emotionally? I am back. I'm ready to go. Yep. Emotionally ready to. Uh... I've got emotions under control. Well, why? <laughs> why? Why would they be out of control? Did I miss something? No, Dan's always Dan seems uh, so level headed, but he's I believe that Dan is always on the edge of just losing it completely. Oh, there must there there's must be something in in Lisa's house that's just not quite level or something. No, yeah. <laughs> no there's that's true. Yeah, Dan, I, I was thinking oh, of you. Oh, I'll bet. I was thinking of you yesterday, Dan, as I watched the uh, window installers put in the big window in the living room. I just fascinated. Oh, they replaced? That's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. But I watched them do this, and I thought of you and how you would be interested to see the leveling that was required, how the uh, foam goes around the outside. I mean, it was pretty cool. Yeah, and no, uh, they were good. so efficient. You could just see, you know, when I, I don't, I'm, listen, I'm not very handy. We all know that. But I do appreciate when other people are good at what they do. And there was these three grown men doing grown-up man work. And I just sat there like the idiot that I am, asking questions, you know. And, uh, of course, they're all Russian. And um, they were great. They, they took time to explain this, how they, what they do to, you know, make it. They, and, and I thought you, they make it perfectly level. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you do a thousand windows, you get really good at it. Yeah. And the uh, installing windows, actually, the simplicity of it is, is just what I like about it. Because it's all about the leveling part, yeah. but there's not, you know, the foaming kind of keeps it in place rather than nails. And well, the nail, they do, they do, they do they anchor. Do. You have to they pull anch- one or two in, yeah. They, they do nail, yes. Well, they do a lot. Of, actually, they did a lot of anchoring before they, and they put a couple little pieces of wood shimmying in there. Shimming. You got to do some shimming. And I started, shimmy, shimmy shake. <laughs> I started thinking, what would that job be if I was doing it? And I thought for sure the first thing I would do is that window would go down into the fucking street. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the, that would be what I would yeah. do. I would somehow get it in the frame and then <laughs> make a mistake, and then the whole thing would come crashing to the ground. But not yeah. these guys. Those those fuckers knew. <laughs> I'm what they sure were it's doing. on their mind all the time because they I'm sure that's a mistake that has been done. Dan, they got this thing out, this sort of suction thing that mm-hmm. yeah. they, they put onto the window while they hold it. One guy's holding it. And then as soon as they get it in place, they open, actually open the window. So there's another anchor point for them to hang on to. Yeah. The suction cups. So the ones that Tom Cruise uses in all exactly. the possible movies. Yeah. Yes. Were you hoping they left those behind last night? Howard? <laughs> Dude, this thing was way more than I, <laughs> than I need. It was Dan Duran's size. <laughs> oh, yeah. The suction. Right. Very, very big. Mm. Um, speaking of Dan Duran. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran. A hell of a guy with a hella big wang. The quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Mm. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes. As for credentials, he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang, so he don't care And his voice is nice and low 
My voice is nice and low. And now with his news brought to you by Boron One. BoronOne.com. What is Boron? Why should you invest in it? Get your Sherpa or get our Sherpa on the case and find out why this junior mining company is on the precipice of uh, making history, getting Boron out of the ground in one of the few places on Earth where it happens. What is Boron? Why should you invest? Go to BoronOne.com. In the meantime, Here's somebody who will not be boroning you. <laughs> this is not boroning. It's Don Duran. Hey, the Geminids are back. The Geminids. Every year at this time. It, well, our planet travels at 107... 107,000 kilometers per hour. Did you actually realize that? Who says that? How do you know that? No one knows that. No science can't tell you that. Yeah, there's a speedometer on the bullshit, you know? (laughs) No wonder I can can never keep my hair in place. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things it does, it runs through the remnants of the asteroid 3200 uh, Phaethon. It goes right through it. You know, little tiny pebble-sized things from the uh, that old asteroid that destroyed itself somehow mm. happens every time of this year, this time of year, uh, in the direction of the constellation Gemini, which is why they're called the Geminids. Mm. And uh, I thought the with Geminids only a, were that CBC thing that they do. Yeah, right. That's, yeah, <laughs> right. And so the, anyway, it, only a sliver of a moon tonight. This is peaking tonight, uh, sometime after seven thirty local time. Um, and it won't so the moon won't impair the night sky if the sky is clear get your eyes adjusted it's probably it looks partially clear for the night tonight in uh, toronto up to peterborough's that area Mm. um mostly clear with some clouds probably anyway the geminids are known for producing bright fireballs producing 100 to 150 meteors per hour so this is the probably the best uh, meteor shower of the year to watch. Oh, okay. And uh, some of them are uh, really bright, slow-moving meteors that cross the sky horizontally early in the evening. So just look in the, the uh, where the constellation Gemini is, but it's that's not exclusively true. You can see it throughout most of the night sky. So there you go. Yeah, it's great when you hit on those in the right situation. Like, there's been a few up north. Hey, Dan, like... Uh, yeah. And the conditions are right. You just lay on the dock and look up and watch. And it's just amazing how often they happen. Like every few seconds. It's great. Yeah. So you, Dan's going to be at my house tonight. Are you going to be all gummied up and uh, we're going to go up on the roof and look at the thing? Or what are we doing? Yeah, let's, uh, you, let's do it. Let's go up on well, the roof. I don't, I don't do THC myself because I'm pure. No, I know. You're back to the purity of... Uh, I'm now on to uh, 14 months. Like 13 months since I've had any... Uh, kind of a drug down I'm drug free stimulants yeah. but uh, I just I sent you a picture of what I'm serving you tonight Dan oh did you yeah I just sent, I sent it to Fred nice. too it's a giant salad that I've made mm-hmm. it's a huge salad and, and that's part of it I'm also making uh, I did it a couple times in Mexico I learned how to make uh, chicken soup from scratch and so I'll be serving for you dinner is soup and salad so y- yes but it's super soup and super salad with a little garlic bread that I'm going to make from scratch too. What? What do you mean? What? You've got you've got a bread maker? Yes, so I'm going to make bread today. You've no. got a bread maker? <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> no, sorry. So how are you going to make the bread? This I got to hear. No, I'm not making the bread from scratch. I'm going to make garlic, a garlic mixture, and then I've got a baguette. That I'm going to make garlic bread out of. I didn't say I'm going to. I said I'm going to make garlic bread from scratch, not the bread from scratch. Sorry. God, (laughs) that's what it is from scratch. 
garlic as bread opposed to buying butter, buttering up, as buttering opposed up bread to with a little buying, bit of garlic is garlic bread. I'm not what buying are you garlic. Okay. I'm not buying garlic bread. I bought bread. I'm going to turn it into garlic bread. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> We've got to walk before we run. Yes, that's, that's right. good. Okay. I'm not Someday making fucking the bread. bread. No, do you make yeah. bread? Have you ever no. made bread? No one makes but I'm bread. Not, I'm not here pounding my chest claiming that I do. I wasn't pounding. <laughs> I will, no, be, I will be, be making the soup as soon as this show is done, though. I start no, making the broth. Honestly, I want to know. So give me the process for the garlic bread. What exactly are you going to do? No, I'm serious. Okay. You're going to slice take, the bread and then what? How no, are you going to no, apply the garlic? First, In what no. form? How? First, I'm going to, I have a bunch of garlic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to slice it. I'm going to warm it up with some butter, one, nice. and then I'm going to take a, a butter and garlic a mixture. Then I'm going to paint the sliced bread, and when it's yes. time to serve the soup, I will uh, quickly uh, bring it to a, a broil, broil it, put it in the broiler just for a second, and uh, and Dan, I may throw a few uh, Parmesan shards on top of it. Well, you're really making soup and salad sound great. So, I dude, you, I'm, I'm, I, tell you, I learned how to make this soup in uh, Mexico. I made it a couple times, and uh, it's really good. Hearty. Is there is there protein in there, like chickpeas or something? Yes, for there's protein in the salad. There's also chicken in the soup. Oh, there's Clean. chicken in the soup. Okay, yeah, because it's chicken soup. Clear your passages. <laughs> oh, right, it's chicken soup. <laughs> and by the way, I throw a little uh, jalapenos in there, Dan. Because I know you're oh, like a little, spi- yeah, that's a little extra good. spice. Now we're talking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now we're bringing in some flavor in. Oh, dude. This soup yeah. is crazy. It's good. Holy bark and arseholes. <laughs> Jalapenos. No. <laughs> Which brings us back to the When the second you said you had a blooming onion, I was like, what is he doing before before you get on an airplane? No, I know. That is taking a I chance, know. man. I know. I know. Anyway. Hey, dude. Listen, so I got another flawed I got, that way. I got another story. Can we do this? Oh, story shit. I didn't, oh, sorry for... Uh, we didn't mean to be entertaining the people with fart stories. <laughs> God damn it, Dan. Oh, All right. Here we go with another story uh, brought okay. to you by our friends at Palma Pasta. 38 years of serving delicious food. PalmaPasta.com. Uh, Dan Duran rushing me through this. Uh-huh. Uh, four locations, one in Oakville, three in Mississauga, PalmaPasta.com. Now here's Dan Duran with his second story. So Jack Smith is taking the Trump claim of absolute immunity to the Supreme Court. We talked about this yesterday. No. Uh, Trump keeps saying that he uh, can't be prosecuted because he's in office at the time of the insurrection and the court wants a response from Trump, the Trump team by the 20th of December. But as a thought experiment, I was listening to a podcast, the Bulwark podcast, uh, and they were interviewing David from Canadian. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he did have immunity or the ability to pardon himself, this would be the president, any president. Think about this. The president could kill his wife and then pardon himself or claim immunity. So hmm. that's one one thing, if, they, if that was a thing. Or how about this one? The vice president could kill the president and then become the president and then pardon himself. And he'd end up oh, being yeah. president. Yeah, so you got to be careful who you choose as president. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I read a little bit of this yesterday, and it, it aggravated me when we talked about this because it just looks like there's a, a pathway for Trump to wriggle out of this uh, again. All this whole life is a series of using the law to his advantage because he he can he can afford the lawyers, and he, it's always with, it's always like he is the king of loopholes. Mm. 
because the Supreme Court is going to rule on what you've just talked about. And there is a chance that Jack Smith's going to lose this because I think it needs four or five of the um, justices to rule in favor. And one of those justices should recuse himself at fucking Clarence Thomas, whose wife, Ginny Thomas, was part of the insurrection, you know, people. Anyway, Trump could get out of this. Uh, The only thing is, as far as that goes, is that there is precedent here through the Nixon Mm-hmm. Watergate situation. Yes. Where if they go against it, they're going to expose themselves as partisan. Yeah. So that's an angle to this. Yesterday, to billionaire Leon Cooperman came out. He's been a huge donor to the GOP for decades. I saw the guy. He looks quite sickly, but uh, they were interviewing him yesterday, and he said, Donald Trump is a disgusting human being, should be nowhere near the White House, and he's dangerous. So I'm just, uh, you know, all those people on the right, you know, where money, it's all about money and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and free market and free capitalism. This guy, this multi-billionaire who's been a traditional donor, calls uh, Donald Trump a disgusting human being for what it's worth. Part of the deep space as well. By the way, I have a... I'm sorry, the deep what? The deep space? (laughs) <laughs> What's the deep, deep space? space? It's not like a nothing bird. <laughs> the fuck is the deep space? The, the deep state. Come on. Did I say space? I'm yes, sorry. you did. Yes, you did. Space. I think space Listen, a lot. Listen, you jumped so all over sweet. me from fucking for, for garlic <laughs> bread from scratch. Okay. I have a piece of audio. Oh, okay. Of, uh, remember what? when Donald Trump came out with these uh, collector cards? Digital yes. collector. So he's selling. NFTs, uh, right? Yeah, NFTs. Yeah, that, yeah. Now you can you can buy them, and now now there's a there's something. He just put this video. <laughs> you know when he got indicted. This, so his uh, the suit that he was wearing yeah. when he was arrested has been cut up into pieces. Here we go. Hold on. Single Trump card. Purchase forty seven digital cards, and we'll mail you a beautiful trading card. It is an authentic piece of the suit I wore when I took that now famous mugshot, and it was a great suit. Believe me, a really good suit. It's all cut up, and you're going to get a piece of it. I'll be autographing some of them. A true collector's item. This is something to give to your family, to your kids, and grandchildren. With the purchase of 47 of the Trump digital trading cards, you will also be invited to join me for a gala dinner at my beautiful Mar-a-Lago, my home in Florida. You've perhaps heard of it. It's become a pretty famous place. We just had our first dinner for my collectors and we had a lot of fun together. That was a great evening. That was a fantastic evening. Some people call these cards pop art or modern art. I wish I looked as good as I do on those cards. That I can tell you. They give me muscles where, believe me, I don't have them. Okay. That's All right. Yeah. It's going on and on and can on. Can you imagine, like, <laughs> these, I heard this last night on uh, Wolf, Wolf Blitzer. Cutting up the suit that he wore to, to be indicted. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so that, this is that's not AI. Yeah. That's that's real. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you would hear that and still vote for this fucking moron? Like, why does Dan do like, this every day? Now, two days in a row at the end of the show, we got to get all worked up about Trump. And I was on my way to making soup. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're cutting up. You know, 
even the conversation like, oh, yeah, that's a neat idea, but you're running for president, yeah. the stature of the president. You might not want to go there. Seems a bit cheesy. But no, not with this guy. A piece of his fuck. And, oh. and by the way, you know, this whole thing about you'll get to come and have d- yeah. dinner with me and my beautiful Mar-a-Lago. I guarantee, but there's also another thing in there that's such skeevies. He says, and some of them will be autographed. What do you mean some of them will be autographed? Not all of them will be? Anyway. Well, um, that's an extra charge, how about? Um, speaking, of, I want to, Dan, is it okay now if I come back to the show here? Just Is there another story? Because I didn't sure, want to get, I don't sure. want to get chastised again. No, it's the Humble and Fred show. No, no, but I, because I, I, I didn't, if you have a third story, tell me now. No, I don't. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all out. I'm out. Okay. Well, you know, I just, uh, I mentioned that uh, today the uh, news was brought to you by Boron One at BoronOne.com. And I happen to go check the Facebook feed, as I do periodically. And uh, here is a great comment, fellows, from uh, one of our listeners. Good morning, my hilarious trio, longtime listener, and enjoy your show immensely. I'd like to thank you for the Boron One tip. I purchased 50,000 shares at three cents per share. And to my pleasure, as of yesterday, they were sitting at 13 cents and settled at nine cents per share. Thank you again. So I'm going to say again here on the Humble and Fred show, we make no, we can't give you any investing advice, but there's an example of what is going on with this company. And if you want to be like Ron Smith, go have a look at it. So there you go. Do we have any questions about that, Dan Duran? I do not. That's an interesting uh, comment. There. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I it's very interesting. Think about that, yeah. Fredly, are we uh, ready to shut this thing down? We're ready to shut her down. Yes, we are. Because I've got to get my bread uh, rising, whatever the fuck bread does. <laughs> 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 gotta get my, good. I can't wait roll out bread. some bread. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Have you got the bread yet? I do. Oh, yeah. what? We picked it's up a nice bag yet. Pardon me? So it's, so it's not so fresh then. It's you well, already got it. So yeah. you're 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 coming over here. Why don't you I'll tell you what? Okay, okay, funny man. Why don't you pick up some fresh bread? Oh, I see. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Right. Sure. Right. I'll right. find some bread somewhere, yeah. Why don't you go to this go to your the only place you ever shop is Costco. Yeah, they've got some good bread there. No, I don't want Costco bread. I want real bread. What do you bread. want? What kind of bread would you want? Well, first of all, this bread we have is fine. Okay, Dan Duran? Okay. Jesus. Okay, um, it? tomorrow it's uh, all emails. By the way, today's your last day. If you download, the people are watching Facebook, you, you guys already know this. But uh, today you can uh, email us for the last oh, time. For, for a sec there, I thought you were talking to me. Today's my last day. No, no, okay, I didn't know I was done. That was it. <laughs> By the way, today's your last day. Today, yeah, we were going to do this great That's bit. That's how I've been fired before, too. <laughs> On the air. Yeah. Because uh, of all the ways all of us have been fired, we've never been actually fired on the Funny actual year. show. That would be funny. That's funny. Anyway, so, yeah. Last, last, day, for, uh, last day for Kelsey's. Um, basically, get your entry in as of midnight tonight. And uh, we will, uh, I'll send you a note tomorrow. And if you, by the way, if you don't get a note and you've entered, just, just come. You'll be fine. Okay. Uh, anything, Fred, anything uh, you just, uh, anything to no. add to any of this? 
No, no, just uh, listening as uh, it winds down, and uh, it's been a very um, fun show again. It has. Merrick and the frivolity at the beginning and the nonsense at the end. It was all there, Howard. It you, yeah, this describes a lot of our programs. Just, frivolity that's nonsense. right. It just makes me happy to be alive. Well, excellent. Well, on that note, here's Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, Bodog, and Kelsey's. For contests and comments, we read all those emails. Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Tell us what you think. Big show for it coming up tomorrow. And tell your friends to subscribe to the podcast. Maybe share it with a friend. Rate us. Give us a, you know, a little help out. We really appreciate that. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, you should never pay nothing for a nothing burger. It's worth nothing. Like a lot of things in life. So enjoy not having one and enjoy every goddamn day. Two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans that just clap your hands or just clap your hands. Where's that?